1: Welcome to the Browns Wire Podcast. This is your host, Josh Keatley, and with me is Adam Moore.
0: How are you doing, Adam? Doing good, Josh. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing all right. I I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but Travis has retired from Browns Wire. He's moved on to bigger and better things, so we wish him the best of luck, but we're going to move on. Adam is a gambling expert. Travis, no offense to you, my friend. I'm sure you're going to be listening to this, but uh, that was not your forte. We brought in an expert in Adam Moore. Adam... I know that you said you were having a couple of rough, well rough weeks before prior, prior to last week, but you and I were texting on weekend. Sounds like
0: you, you killed it. Yeah, I had a good week, man. 3 Three zero was my best bets. I had a couple of teasers out there that hit as well. Didn't get uh, didn't get in trouble with that that fluky forty uh, nine ers cardinals finish. So I, I was lucky. I had I had cardinals in that game, but I had them teased up on a six and a half point teaser. So that uh, that last second defensive touchdown didn't hurt me as bad as it uh, hurt a lot of people.
1: Where did everybody get the ten lines? Because I bet on the Niners, I got ten and a half. I could not find ten. I can't find ten. I got ten and a half, so it didn't help me yeah. at all. Was that? that just, was, and I yeah. put I put the money in early in the week too. Like I'm talking
0: like Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. No, the book that I had had ten, and I know there were some nine and halfs out there too. So if you wow. got nine and a half, you got real unlucky. If you, if you bet on the Cardinals and you got super lucky, if you had the Niners.
1: Oh, dude, dude, rough. But I, I on my best bets, I did go two and one. So our conversation with you and me for the entire weekend I did very very poorly. But for the <laughs> listeners I did go two and one. So moving on we're going to start with the game review of last week last Thursday night the Cleveland Browns did take down the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are now 5 and 5. The Browns are now 4 and 6. I thought the Browns looked really good. They won 21-7. They beat the spread. The offense had a few hiccups. We kind of talked about that a bit last week, how it's kind of been the same old, same old with the Browns. They'll look really good, and then they'll go three and out. They'll look really good, and then they'll have two, three, and out. So that was kind of the same kind of conversation with the offense. But the defense looked great. Joe (laughs) Schober, apparently he was the best player on any linebacker last week, according to PFF, with the score of 93.3. Morgan Burnett showed out against his prior team. again. He got hurt in the first quarter, so he was knocked out early. He's now on IR, but he got an interception. Uh, But what did you see? What what do do you think?
0: No, I agree with you. I I, I think it's super unfortunate that Burnett's hurt and and he's on IR because he played phenomenal there in the limited snaps that he had. I thought the defensive backfield in in general played played phenomenal. Four interceptions. uh, It just didn't look like any of the Pittsburgh Steelers, wide receivers, had any separation whatsoever. So, you know – Really good performance by the cornerbacks and the safeties uh, for Cleveland. I thought Cleveland got off to a great first drive. Uh, the first quarter looked really good. Got up to a quick 14-0 lead. Then when you had then you had Juju and Connor both get hurt. And uh, at that point, the Pittsburgh just didn't have enough firepower to, to mount any kind of comeback. So as soon as that happened, I knew Cleveland had – they were in the driver's seat for that game. As long as they didn't give it away, uh, they, they were in a good position to, to win that game. And they didn't. So to their credit, to you, as you mentioned – they did. They, I thought they sputtered out a little bit there on offense. But, again, we talked a little bit last week. Pittsburgh's defense is playing phenomenal these last four or five games with making the Fitzpatrick. So I don't think that's anything to be too concerned about uh, moving forward well, and it's the, the
1: the thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense too is it's that, that defensive line. We talked about that a bit last week too with Cam Hayward coming off, the, and he did have his way. He had, had he had his way with their offensive line. and offensive line did show their struggles, but Wyatt Teller has been improving a little bit. I mean, obviously, Batonio is a rock. Um, I don't, the, there is definitely an issue there, but there are other issues. As far as the defensive backfield go, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't. I didn't see the Steelers' wide receivers come out and dominate. Morgan Burnett had a rough – two weeks ago, I can't – it escapes me, but he had a rough game. It was almost like the offense was decidingly picking on Morgan Burnett. Well, he came out and he looked just – Vastly improved. I know that he is getting older, so you know I'm sure he's slowing down. I'm sure he's getting weaker, and all those things are evident on tape. But he's still a very instinctive player. He still puts his head in there. I feel like he's a leader on that defense. So it is it is a shame that he's going out. And the guy we b- got behind him, Justin Burroughs, who I think everybody's expecting to start. Matter of fact, the depth the depth chart literally came out as I was getting on this pod with you. Uh, but Justin Burris is going to be the starting safety in place of Morgan Burnett, And I do think that that is a step down, but the bigger issue, I think, that everybody is in agreement with is Miles Garrett going to be out. Now, yeah. we're going to get into Helmet Gate, but I kind of <laughs> wanted to pick – now we're talking about the impact of, impact of players and everything. I, I think yeah. we both can agree Morgan Burnett is probably not worth – in the eyes of Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. When I, Our editor, Jeff Risden had an article earlier in the year where he – Uh, posted these the Vegas values or the supposed Vegas values of each quarterback in the NFL. Uh, And uh, that's kind of been a hot topic of late is, you know, hey, what players are worth what? I know uh, there was some debate as to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook are the only running backs worth more than a point and and whatnot. But with Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett has been soaking up double teams. I believe he, at the time, before going into last week, he was third in the NFL in sacks. Um, you know, the the man demands attention. Do you yeah. think he's valued at any – do you think he's valued numerically at all in Vegas's eyes?
0: Miles Garrett, for sure. Uh, I agree with you. Burnett's probably uh, a negligible effect on – in the eyes of Vegas as far as potential, you know, expected outcomes moving forward. But Miles Garrett's for sure on the small list of defensive players that, that would move a Vegas line. I, I think you could probably argue he's probably worth about a point. I, I don't think you'd get much pushback there. As you mentioned, you know him. Take he takes up double teams. He frees up the other defensive linemen to, to you know, for one-on-one blocks and able to get pressures that way. Uh, so you, but yeah, it's, you, it's a big
1: loss. So you think Miles Garrett's worth a do? You, do you think that Miles Garrett's worth the point, or is that just what is that what you're hearing, or is it both? Um, no,
0: I, I mean it's, I haven't heard a whole lot, but that, I guess the one point is probably what my gut is telling me.
1: Okay, and and that's fair. I think a lot of people would agree with you, especially in Cleveland, uh, especially after embracing all the pushback that it got <laughs> i didn't know he was yeah. so loved but i, I you know what? i think i disagree with that i think a lot of that you know uh, we listen i know that you and i both listened to the dream preview with rj bell uh and they always talk about the most the least valuable quarterback in, in the last 25 years it's like or, or i can't remember exactly what they say but one of the most one of the least valuable quarterbacks in the last 25 years was joe montana and a lot and that was because steve young was his backup Yep. I think I, I'm not saying that Chad Thomas is that, but when you, I think usually when you look at teams like okay, let's use J.J. Watt for example. Now that Jaden yep. Clowney's gone, uh, or Akeem Hicks in, in in Chicago, now that Khalil Mack is taking on double triple teams, you know you know what I mean uh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of another Aaron Donald and with the Rams. I mean once those guys go out, I think that that defensive line takes a drastic downturn. I'm thinking that Olivia, and maybe I'm biased. Tell me if I'm biased, but I think Olivia Vernon is better than that. I think that Olivia Vernon, Vernon does fill fill that role quite well. I think he's had a great year. And Chad Thomas, although he's not great, I don't think he's a liability at that yeah. other end.
0: Yeah, no, I think it, I think time will tell how it's going to play out. But I just, you know. Anytime we talk about a, a dominant defensive end and how it impacts the team's performance, especially on the defensive end, I'm reminded of Ohio State's team last year when, as soon as Bosa left, Nick Bosa left the lineup. You could see there was just such a drastic drop-off, even with Chase Young on the roster. Now, you know, Bosa last year was taking up a lot of the double teams. With Bosa gone, they were able to shift the offensive line to, to get more attention to or Chase Young last year. And to me, it's just a big impact. And I I just don't think you can replace the type of athlete, the type of player that Miles Garrett uh, is and and what he meant to that team.
1: And I think a lot of people would agree with you. I I really do. And you you probably are right. I guess I'm just trying to find a way to justify in my mind. Um, And it it is interesting when you talk about those – the Ohio State defense and the Browns defense aren't the same. But I do get what you're saying. For instance, Mac Wilson is a linebacker that the Browns do blitz a lot. Now, I don't think Mm -hmm. that they want to blitz him. I think a lot of that – is because he he gets lost sometimes, so they're just trying to say, "Hey, go!" Uh, but that is a, a, a if if those if Miles Garrett is demanding those double teams, that's another lineman that's not necessarily paying attention to. To Mac Wilson, so yeah. I, I could totally see in that. Now, with Joe Schober, Joe Schober had an amazing game. We talked about his PFF grade of 93.3, which is the highest. Uh, he was extremely effective in coverage. He had an interception. Uh, he also had a sack on the game. Uh, what do you think he's worth? What what, what are you seeing from Schober?
0: No, he's obviously playing very well. And, and the uh, the interception he had, I, I believe the, the Rudolph kind of threw it behind his defender and and he was able to pick that ball off uh, obviously in a good position there, but he he had two
1: interceptions too. I'm sorry. I wrote that down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but anytime you're talking about defensive players, you really, and and what they mean to a team as far as uh, expected points through the eyes of Vegas, you, you, you have a it's a really small number of defensive players that actually matter to uh, expected points or to the line. And I I just don't think he's going to matter a whole lot. The only other time that that, those types of injuries can really move a, a Vegas line is when they're cluster injuries out of position. So, for example, you have three offensive linemen out. Uh, that, that can cause a, a shift in expected points on the offensive side. You know, if you have um, four defensive backs out or three defensive backs out, at that point is when those – and I, we're going to get to that here uh, later with our best bet. There's a situation where there's uh, really banged up secondary that, uh, that uh, we'll, we'll see how that, uh, how that affects our line.
1: Which is funny you bring up cluster injuries. Cluster injuries is something that Travis and I talked a lot about, not only with best bets, but with handicapping the other team. Uh, for instance, when we go into the Miami Dolphins game preview, I feel like there is a, an instance of cluster injuries, or maybe not cluster injuries, but cluster, let's say, transactions with a mm-hmm. certain unit you know, on the Dolphins. But we'll get to that in a bit. We, we have to talk about I know it's been a week ago, but Twitter is still filled with it. Actually, I'm very upset about how passionate everybody's been about it because I spent 12 hours – sifting through Canadian football league football. Okay. Trying to find the six best prospects possible that I think could play in the NFL. And last year I wrote a similar piece and it did very well this year. I don't think anybody read it. Cause they're just so <laughs> focused on miles Garrett content and I can't blame. Yeah. Him. What did you think about the whole thing, man?
0: The uh, dude Took re- off another man's helmet, and
1: <laughs> swung it at him.
0: Yeah. It's really unbelievable. And, and I know it's not a popular take. And I, and I know, you, you know, you played football. I played football. It's, um don't know if you've ever been in a skirmish but I, i've been in one in, in my life and you know when you're in that when you're in that moment you are truly not thinking about anything else uh you know and so i i can understand i have some empathy about where 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 he was in that at that state or at that point of the game with his mindset but you know it's not you know they, it's not an ex, that's not excusable and you just can't do that i guess and uh it-
1: and and I hate to say this because I know Browns fans are going to grill me, but here's here's the part where I think it makes it more devastating. Okay, and yeah. you, you you use playing football as an example. Yeah, we've all we've even in instances. Let's say I, I stub my toe. I may I may stub my toe and and throw a table or something. You know what right. I mean? Like everybody's had that that weak point or that that thing that's agitated them to where they just they just go off the handle. Here's the point that upsets me. I feel like Villanueva was trying to, like, calm him down and, like, pushed him away and was saying, yeah. you know, like, we don't, we weren't there. I don't really know what was said. I don't really know what happened. Just I, I don't think that Villanueva was looking for a fight. You know, he's, right. a, he's a veteran. I mean, actually, he is legitimately – he was in the Army. You know, he's an older gentleman on the football field as well. He seems like a very calm, demeaned person. He was pushing Garrett away. And then it's Garrett had, like – 10, 15 seconds where he got to think about what he wanted to do next, and then he still decided he wanted to beat Mason Rudolph with a helmet. Now, again, Mason Rudolph was going after him. I understand all of that. It was just – it's really weird that he had time to think about it, and he still wanted to move forward. Because a lot of people use that Antonio Smith example when he swung at Richie Incognito. Dude, that was like one smooth motion. It was like yank and swing, bro. Right. I feel like the Garrett thing. I think I feel like that's what made it worse. It's like he had time to think about it, and he was still like, yeah. "No, nah, I'm gonna hit this guy in the face."
0: Yeah. No, and I think Freddie and Baker said all the right things after the game. Uh, that is, you know, obviously this is not something you can have, it really hurts the football team. So, you know, I think they said all the right things. Um, I understand. Like, I can understand the mindset that Miles Garrett was in, but again, it's not excusable. Uh, you just can't take off someone else's helmet and try to hit them with it, man. Yeah, man. It's not something you can do. That's so, well. Yeah, and, and you're right. I thought Rudolph was the instigator. I, I do believe that, but again, that you, you just can't you just can't hit somebody else with a helmet,
1: man. Yeah, and and being the instigator, I get that. And, and Mason and I want to be very clear because I know people are going to grill me on Twitter. I understand Mason Rudolph started it, but I mm-hmm. if I come up and sneak up behind you and give you a wet willy and you shoot <laughs> me in the face, those those yeah. aren't the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, uh, right. are you, you going to turn around and say, "Well, he started it"? You know that's just not that's not to me. That's not the same thing. But you know, again, I get it. I think initially when I'm watching it, because I watched it. I mean, everybody watched it numerous times. It, it looked like maybe we, we know. We both know. Like so, we both played football pretty deep into our lives, where we both know how uncomfortable those helmets can be, how tight they can be. Um, you, you know, I know that I got hit so hard that the ear, my ear pad fell out in college. My ear pad. F- my ear pad fell out of the helmet as I got hit and the metal part sliced my ear. And I had to have surgery on that ear because right. it got all swollen and infected. So we know how right. tight and uncomfortable those, those helmets are. Uh, yeah. I think that I, my initial reaction was maybe his hair. Cause I know that, that's uh Miles Garrett has, you know, he it looks like he's got longer hair, right? Uh-huh. I know that sometimes maybe it got yanked in the helmet, maybe one of his pieces of, I think he was wearing earrings, his earring got caught, and that, that stuff can really smart and just kind of set it can just kind of set you <laughs> up, you know what I mean? You're right. That's kind of what I thought. Then I, yeah. you know, I, I kept watching it. I thought maybe what also set him off is Mason Rudolph. It did kick him in the nads. So I mean, there are things that Mason Rudolph did to lead to that. I'm not saying Mason Rudolph is, you know, yeah. f- scot
0: free, but yeah. Yeah, and you know, never know what, what what's going on down there in those skirmishes. You, you don't know what had happened earlier in the game uh right. to, to kind of put him in that mindset. I don't
1: I don't think let me put it this way. I don't think I think Mason Rudolph, I think Miles Garrett got mad on that play. I think Mason mm-hmm. Rudolph either kicked him, he was kicking him in the in the balls and he was squee, you know, moving his helmet around and he was just at, you know, those are multiple things that are probably upsetting Miles Garrett. And You know, he just panicked. I don't think anything was said. Let me put it that way. I don't think it it would happen on that play. And I think that Mason Rudolph was a little ticked off because he felt that it was a late hit. I've I've seen that argument as well. I think that that argument is wrong. But with Mm -hmm. that said, I could see where Mason Rudolph is coming from, where he's like, hey, dude, back off, back off. Because I think Miles Garrett, in an effort to not land on him like he's been called for in the past, kind of gator rolls him. Which yep. makes the sack
0: last two more seconds, and I think it was just yeah.
1: agitating Mason Rudolph as well.
0: Yeah, I thought about that too. I almost think Miles Garrett didn't know the ball. It, it, I don't know if Miles Garrett knew if Rudolph had the ball or not. So to me, it almost looked like he was just trying. You know, he was trying to make a sack. Yeah, and and I so maybe Rudolph took exception to that. I don't know.
1: I think I, I think that's what happened. I, I, I and again I don't know. No one really knows, but I, I think that's kind of what happens. Mason, Miles Garrett was going for the sack. Mason Rudolph felt that it was a late hit. My, in an effort to stay off of his body, he kind of gator rolled him. That mm-hmm. upset Mason Rudolph even more. At that point, he grabbed on his helmet and just started to try to squeeze it off. Um, you know, and I know that we we're talking about. That's another thing I want to add too. We talk about how oh well, Mason Rudolph couldn't get his helmet off, but he tried. If he would have tried, he was going to smack him. That's I don't think I don't think that's a valid argument either. I mean, we see. Mm-hmm. I think in that actual game, we saw hands to the face called twice. Hands to the face is literally legitimately when you just shove your hands up a dude's face and the helmet almost pops off. I mean, we saw it last night with, um, I, I believe Bosa did it to the Chiefs. Where, no, I'm sorry, it was Mel- Melvin Ingram got uh, yep. called for when he shoved his hands. Around. I mean, you know, I mean the, the, that happens all the time. Um, so helmets do move. You know, you guys do adjust the. Or mess with another dude's helmet all the time. Uh, what Miles Garrett did is is completely different. Uh, hopefully, everything gets resolved with that. I do think he's a great person. Uh, you know, I, I know he does poetry, likes dinosaurs, all that good stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I've I, I've met him. He he seems like an awesome dude, an awesome, genuine dude. He's just an animal on the football field, and he got upset. Everybody has that yep. moment of weakness, and I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, moving no, on. Seemed,
0: yeah, he seemed to almost immediately regret the decision he had made so you know that's a you know if you're talking about somebody's character i guess that's a good thing um but yeah so i think he was he was appealing today that uh, indefinite suspension citing something about uh, the 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 agreement that they have with the players unit doesn't allow for indefinite suspensions that they need some kind of you know defined number of games for him to be suspended i think they were going to try to appeal and get that lowered so i don't I don't know if we'll see him back this game, but hopefully we at least have some resolution as far as how long he's going to be out or yeah. back this year. Sorry. Yeah, I would expect it. I would
1: expect it to be right around the four game range. Um, yeah. But again, I don't. I don't know. I, I always seem to be wrong about these suspensions and stuff like that. I think it's mm-hmm. also important to remember. I'm, I'm talking to some of my other colleagues that are are kind of throwing their hat in the ring and they're they're comparing this to domestic violence. Uh, issues like you know Kareem Hunt or Tyreek Hill I don't think that you you can that's kind of like apples and oranges um yeah. it's I think it's it's much more difficult to suspend someone based off of something that they've done a- out of the workplace I guess is what I'm trying to say Kyle oh, Yeah it happened on national TV and it happened while he was at work it'd be like if <laughs> I if I had a panic attack at work and slapped my boss
0: yeah. you,
1: does that make sense? if I, if I'm doing yeah, something no, at work I feel like it's more hey this is what we got to do
0: yeah, I, I don't sense? think they, I don't think the NFL or any, I don't think anybody really wants to set that precedent. Uh, yes. Um, so you know that that's a that's a dangerous line to kind of to straddle, but you know hopefully we'll get some some clarity on it moving forward.
1: And, yeah, and
0: you know and to me the NFL just seems so inconsistent with how they're passing down these penalties. I just don't get it. I mean, I may I posted some on Twitter. That, so Miles Garrett got an indefinite suspension. This kind of goes back to um, just how how times have changed. You know, fifteen years ago today is when uh, you had that huge goal in the stands with the the Pistons and the Pacers. You remember that? Oh, the Malice that. at the Palace. Yeah, fifteen years oh. ago today. <laughs> so I, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I don't recall what uh, what the penalties they received, but um, the thing going back to the thing I posted on Twitter. Remember when Andre Johnson he hit Cortland Fith or Finnegan with a missile? Yeah, you know, and he didn't get it. He didn't get suspended at all. He got fined. Uh, But that was a huge fight. They both took each other's helmets off. They didn't hit them with each other, but they tossed them. And then Andre Johnson lit Finnegan up a couple of times. But, again, no suspension there. Um, I'm not saying that that, that's comparable to what Miles Garrett did. I, I do believe he deserves some kind of suspension, but what that is, I don't know.
1: And and I do think I guess that was my point with with bringing up the domestic violence thing is the Cortland Finnegan Andre Johnson thing. that is something I, it is different, but it is more comparable. It's It's hard to I, my only what I when I keep telling m- my colleagues that you the at home penalties or the at home allegations are different than something that's happened at the workplace on live TV. okay? Yeah. I'm not saying that it's better or worse. I mean, it's obviously Miles My, Garrett is obviously a much better human being than Tyree Kill. I don't think anybody, or, I don't think anybody would argue that. I'm just saying, the penalties, it's it, it's harder to penalize someone for doing something. Outside of the workplace, because you don't really—it's all allegations. We know that Miles Garrett took the dude's helmet off and smashed <laughs> him in the face. That happened on live TV, and it happened right. at work. That's how. So that's how it is. So the Andre Johnson thing, I think, is much more comparable. I think the difference with that kind of goes back to the both those dudes were swinging, both those dudes were causing trouble, both those good dudes were mouthing off, uh, and Mason Rudolph was doing that too. But it was kind of—I I do think when Miles Garrett took the helmet off and that 10 seconds passed where he had to think, he was able to think about it or five seconds, maybe I'm exaggerating. I think that's what really did him in. Like, it's like, dude, you had a, you could, you had time to think about how stupid you're being and you still right. decided to swing the helmet. But like you said, hopefully it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, the NFL always tends to overreact. Oh, we're going to suspend him forever. And then they say, okay, two da- two games. You right. know, we, we've seen that before. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but moving on. The Browns got to overcome that. They're going to be playing the Miami Dolphins. It seems like a good team to overcome that with. Uh, I know that the spread opened up. Miami was a nine-point underdog, uh, but now the spread's moved to 10.5. I don't know about you, but I already put my money on Cleveland given the 10.5. Uh, Miami's 2-8, and 5-5 five and five against the spread. Cleveland is 4-6, 3-6-1 six, six against the spread, and they are slowly moving up the rankings. I told you last week we t- I always try to check to see who the worst team against the spread is. It is no longer – the Cleveland Browns with that victory last week. So nice. I, I, ex- I expect the Browns to smash him. It looks like the Browns yeah. are, are slowly. Gaining momentum. They're slowly gaining their rhythm. I'm not concerned with the defense. I'm upset about Miles Garrett, but I feel like we do have pretty solid depth behind him. Uh, I feel like Wilkes is calling a really great game plan. I feel like Schobert has really elevated his game. Greedy Williams has slowly progressed throughout the season. Denzel Ward is definitely getting better. He looked rough the first two weeks of the season, got hurt. He's back. He looks like he's healthy. He's shutting down receivers. Uh, Demarius Randall, I, I, I believe his. He's he's only going to get fined, so it doesn't look like he's going to be suspended for his uh, smash of the head that he committed last week. Uh, but he's also playing very well and effective. I, I I do feel confident about the Browns. I feel more confident in their defense than their their offense, though.
0: Yeah. No, you're not going to see the impact of Miles Garrett being gone this week against Miami. Miami's got the 30th ranked uh, offensive line in terms of protecting the quarterback. So. You're you're still going to be able to get pressures on this offensive line without much trouble without Miles Garrett. So, it, it you know as we kind of get through the season here and you when you start to see these better teams, that'll be when uh, the, the you see the impact of Miles Garrett not being in the lineup. Yeah, and I do uh, the most interesting thing I find about the Dolphins.
1: We talked about the cluster injuries at the beginning of the pod. Is the defensive backfield of the Miami Dolphins? It, we're <laughs> not dealing with necessarily cluster injuries, although Avian Howard is on the IR. Need to leave on the IR. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, yeah, I mean, I guess technically he never really sued up for the Dolphins, but we will go ahead and count that. But Minka Fitzpatrick (laughs) is gone as well, right? So they've gotten a whole slew of new defensive backs. The only, I, uh, Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain, uh, Bobby McCain are the only questionable. Which one? McCain. Yes, because of his shoulder. But they're saying yep. they're saying he's gonna play. So let's let's assume he's gonna start. But there you go. That that adds to the cluster injury factor, yep. right? But they got Absolutely. two cornerbacks who were undrafted free agents. Gr- granted, Ryan Lewis was an undrafted free agent back in 2017. I think he's legitimately, and double check me on this, anybody feel free. He's been on more teams than he's had spent years in the NFL. <laughs> I, I really I think that for sure. Now, here's the interesting thing though. Nick Needham. He's actually played quite well. This is a guy. He came. He was at University of Texas El Paso last year. Was an undrafted free agent. This was a guy I wasn't high on at all. I wasn't high on at all. Had him as an undrafted free agent. Didn't think he'd stick. I think a lot of people would agree with me. He does have good length, six foot one ninety three. Um, and the Bills picked on him quite a bit, right?
0: So, Mm -hmm. yeah, John Brown. We we talked about a little bit last week, John Brown and the weapons that that Josh Allen has around him, but then John Brown goes off here against the secondary. I think, you know, if John Brown and the the wide receivers that play for for the Buffalo Bills can have success against the secondary, I think Cleveland Browns are going to have no issue whatsoever. Being able Uh, to spring Odell and Jarvis.
1: I think you're 100% correct, and, I, and we talked about last week. I, the Browns' wide receiver core, if you think the Bills got weapons, then the Browns' weapons will blow you away. With that said, John Brown was moved around a lot too. He didn't just yeah. line up against Needham. Needham actually, I feel like, I feel like it's going to be interesting because I, if you go in with the expectation that Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry are going to get 7 million yards to the air, you're going to be really frustrated because this dude has not played as poorly as you would figure. Does that make sense? He is not the liability in the defense. I mean, he's not good, but he is not right. the issue with that defensive tobacco Ryan Lewis is far worse than needed at this point. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, I was watching him, and he just doesn't. He doesn't. He is not as bad as I expected. Does that make sense? Still bad, but yeah. not as bad. No,
0: absolutely. Well and this, then you, this team, this team is still with with people that are. This team is still with practice squad guys. And, yeah, and they're playing hard, so that, I mean, that that's a good thing, and that speaks to Flores a little bit about how well he's doing there in Miami. You know, coaching, but. You know, just you can't overcome talent in the NFL. You know, talent is going to um, to overcome hard work essentially. I,
1: I do think that there is some truth to that. Um, I don't think you can overcome talent with this, I guess, yeah, is no, what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. you can't overcome not, not, starters, not
0: these large talent gaps. You
1: can't yeah, overcome. yeah, and like we talked about Ryan Lewis on the other end, Ryan Lewis Lewis is he's not good, he's not good at all. He hasn't been good. Uh, 2017 Andreas DeFraga out of pit, but. He, again, he's got pretty good size, six foot one ninety. He has shown flashes. I think he's a guy that's probably going to have a couple good leaps and deflected passes this game. But he's, you know, he, we're going to be trying to pick on both of those guys. Um, the safeties are much more solid. Uh, you're, you're saying Bobby McCain's probably not going to play.
0: I, I don't know that. He, I know he just showed up questionable on the injury right. report.
1: He, I know that he had, he's had a separated shoulder, but he's had that separated shoulder since I believe, and someone can double check me on that too. He got it with like you know, with the first two weeks of the season, and he's played. Uh, I know that he was primarily, primarily their main nickel corner last year, but he has moved to the starting free safety spot. Uh, he's a guy that was drafted out of Memphis in the fourth round, 5'11, 192. He's a very solid player, definitely not a splash guy, just kind of a fill and roll guy. Uh, Eric Rowe is probably the quote-unquote star or leader of the defensive backfield, a strong safety, uh, 6'1", 205. Everybody's going to remember him because he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the second round of 2015 draft, and he started at cornerback and safety for the Utah Utes. He was a very, very good college player. Uh, I, for one, saw him more as a tweener, and I think that that's kind of come true, that he's not really lived up to that second-round hype. Uh, He was uh, cut by the Philadelphia Eagles, or maybe he was traded to the, the Patriots. Either way, he didn't really do anything for the, uh, the Eagles. And he didn't really do anything with the Patriots. So now he's with the Miami Dolphins. He's still not really doing much. Uh, but he has played it, played pretty solid. He doesn't miss a whole lot of tackles. I guess that's probably his big, finest point. Uh, and it is a prove-it year. I think that they signed him to a one-year deal. So he is. Mm-hmm. I think he is kind of guys that are on that prove-it deal usually play above what they typically do. And he, like I said, he doesn't miss a lot of tackles. So that does need to be said. He's a, he's a great wrap-up
0: player. Yeah, absolutely, and also Taco Charlton and Raquan McMillan are also on on the injury report, unless it is questionable. Uh, so that I mean, if, if we're talking about how Nick Chubb is going to do this week and see if he can bounce back from from his performance this past weekend, uh, those are, those are big names to look at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, would you would you agree with me that that the, deep, the Miami Dolphins defensive back? Backs versus the Cleveland Browns receivers might be the most intriguing matchup. I'm not saying that it's the, the best matchup based mm-hmm. off of skill. I'm saying that the Browns receivers should really be able to exploit these Miami Dolphins defensive backs. But these defensive backs have shown enough flashes to where it might be a little frustrating. for If we're not calling the right plays and not putting them in the great best situations, it could be a little frustrating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a a big mismatch uh, with our wide receivers versus their their secondary. So that'll be interesting. But my, my biggest question is whether or not we're going to need to exploit that, you know? So you're going to have Nick Chubb on the ground. I think he has a, this is a big bounce back spot for him. He only had 3.4 yards per carry last week, 41% success rate on the, on, on the time he touched the ball, three explosive runs, but Pittsburgh has the fifth best uh, defensive rushing uh, defense in the league. So I, I don't look no. too much into that, but I, lo- I do look for him to bounce back in the spot here. Um, at home with a large spread, I think they're going to lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunter.
1: Well, let me ask you this, too, because again, for everybody that's listening, Adam is by far way more the analytics guy than I am. You said success rate. Now, when mm-hmm. you talk about the running back success rate, that takes into account the down and distance, correct?
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So it changes. You know, first and 10 is going to be different than second and four is going to be different than third and one as
1: right. far just, as what's,
0: the, what's classified as a successful run.
1: Perfect, perfect. And there are. I did run across some interesting stats. Cleveland is obviously. We all know Cleveland is two and four their last six games. Cleveland is five and one their last six games against Miami at home. I didn't know that. And they're also four and one their last five November games. Did you know that, Adam? I
0: did not know that.
1: Miami is one and ten their last eleven games on the road, and Miami's three and six their last nine games against Cleveland. So those are a couple fun facts for everybody if they're looking to slide some, or if they're looking to feel better about the competition. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I I think this is a big big spot for Cleveland. I, I don't think this is going to be much of a much of a game, in my opinion. I think this is this is a game that can can really get out of hand uh, here in a hurry. He, Miami, they lost thirty seven to twenty last week, but they also had a return yes. uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. So those are kind of fluky. So if you're just looking at what the offense and defense did, it, it was more like a thirty seven to thirteen type of game. and They just got demolished. So
1: yeah, they look terrible.
0: Yeah, so you know, this is an opportunity I think Cleveland gets back gets back on track here. Um, kind of builds off the momentum that they've that they've built these past two games and really put the puts a big number on Miami.
1: So, so you sound really confident. I already said I put down my money on Cleveland. Have you done the same?
0: I have not. I've not put any money down yet this week and I'm still early in my process as you mentioned. I have got I'm very analytical with how I approach these things. I've got some spreadsheets here. Uh, my spreadsheet has this number pretty close to what actually exactly, um, 10 and a half points difference. But, uh, we talked a little bit the last, a little bit about it last week. The key to being a really good better is to be able to combine these statistical thoughts with some more of these gut and things that can't be kind of rolled up into the data and kind of putting all, pairing all those together. So all that, like, um uh, the matchup stuff, the gut stuff, all these other handicaps that I do come later in the week
1: so how do you account for uh fitz magic
0: <laughs> so he i he's he's accounted for in all of the data that i've used so i don't have him i don't have any any adjustments to make for him but you know he he doesn't have the weapons that he had in tampa bay so he's not going to be success as successful as no he's, straight, as he's he straight garbage yeah no i know but he yeah. and, you know he he was fitz magic last year dude and he had but he had he had godwin and mike evans and and he was able to put up some big numbers with that group. With that group, but Preston Williams is out. Um, all they they don't they just don't have anything uh, for him. Devonte Parker. That's about it.
1: I mean, the fact that we're talking about Preston Williams show. And Preston Williams is very <laughs> was a very good receiver at Colorado State, but he, his measurables, yuck.
0: Yeah. okay so and he I mean, he, did, he played all right this year he's he played he's
1: played very well he's played very yeah. well he's a very solid receiver but the fact that we're talking about him like he's an impact player dude i mean we got odell beckham and jarvis landry baby i mean he yeah. he's no he's not better than Rashad higgins and that's our third option so right. the fact that hey, we're why, talking hey, about why didn't he play Rashard?
0: yeah
1: you know what it is weird because uh Codero Hodges has been getting a lot of snaps, which yeah. honestly he's been playing pretty well. Steven Carlson's actually been getting snaps too. I know that he's more of a tight end, but you got to figure that those tight end snaps are also eating into the Higgins. I'm not quite sure what's going on with the Higgins thing, man. It yeah, seems like Kitchens has got a bad grudge against him.
0: Yeah, there's got to be something else that that we're not aware of that that's causing the issue with him and his snap percentage. He's not getting on the field. He didn't have a target last week. And I, I think Cream Hunt is going to really kind of eat into his his role as well. You saw Cream Hunt at eight targets last week. Well, 46. that would be
1: that would make sense. Yeah. The, the, what what doesn't make sense is is Cordero Hodge yeah. and Steven Carlson eating into a snap. And again, maybe Steven Carlson isn't eating up in the Higgins snaps. Hodge Hodges is Hodge is he is because he is a wide receiver. I'm, I'm figuring Stephen Carlson is eating into a snaps because it feels like it it, it feels like they're running more. Tight ends, you know, tight ends are more frequently running routes that maybe instead of having the multiple tight ends in there, we would have Higgins in. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, I don't know. Hodge and Carlson, they combine for three targets. So it's not like they're being, you know, actively schemed any looks in this offense. So they're they're just bodies, you know, they're just bodies on the field at this point.
1: I feel... Okay, Carlson, you're right. Carlson may have only been out there for three snaps. Hodge, though, Hodge is, Hodge is getting his fair share of snaps. If you, if Higgins is getting his amount of snaps, then yeah, I, I feel like you would notice it. I feel like it's a significant mm-hmm. number. Maybe I'm not. Maybe that's something we can double-check and kind of uh, round back to, but it feels like Hodge is on the field quite a bit.
0: Yeah, there's got to be something more to the Higgins thing. It just doesn't make any sense, with, especially with the connection that him and Baker have. Uh, it seems like you know, anytime he's on the field, Baker finds him, and he's really productive. So there's, there's got to be more to the story.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's really strange. I don't really, I don't really know what the deal is. It, it, unfortunately, it is a shame because uh, Rashard Higgins does have some real talent. He's somebody that we were really high on going into the season. I was really high on going into after he was out of Colorado State um mm-hmm. so hopefully we can get that figured out and get him back on track uh but moving on ohio state does play penn state this week we're going to move on to our scouting portion ohio state's favored by 18 and a half i'm going to talk about a couple prospects that i kind of want to pay attention to on penn state's side uh but for the record i did already put my money down on ohio state given the 18 and a half. Uh, my first, uh, uh my name i i'm gonna name three players i'm watching for penn state i'm sure everybody knows the third player i'm gonna mention but the first players steven gonzalez the guard six foot four 349 pounds senior Ohio State's going to be – or Cleveland Browns are going to be looking for offensive linemen. Steven Gonzalez is, is a very competitive line, guard, interior offensive lineman, that should be able to be found in the middle rounds, okay? Uh, he was actually – he's got a really a unique story because he wasn't even expected to start this year. I don't think he even started in the spring game. And he's kind of worked himself up that depth chart, and he's probably going to be recognized as an All-Big Ten member. Uh, the defensive end – uh Rosmatos, def- Gross <laughs> I'm sure I'm butchering that name. Defensive end, six five, 265 pounds. He's only a junior. I don't expect him to declare early. This has kind of been there's been a lot of rumblings in the draft community about him declaring early. If he does declare early, I don't think he's going to get drafted early. I think he's going to be a mid-round target. I think he's a guy that if he comes back, he the the, the Big Ten is filled with unique and elite edge rusher, edge rushers. Mm-hmm. You got AJ Espinosa. Uh, you got Obviously, Chase Young. Um, you, you've got uh, Kenny Willicks over at Michigan State. That's just three off the top of my head. So I think it would be best if he comes back. He could really dominate the conference. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He is an elite pass rusher. I do think he needs more refinement. Uh, the third player, KJ Hamler, the wide receiver, 5'9, 168. He's only a sophomore, but he's a redshirt sophomore. There's been some mumblings about him coming out. I think that's all there is, Okay, is. It, it'd be very unwise, in my opinion, for a guy to have the year, to have really only. One strong year. I know that we saw flashes of it last year, especially against Ohio State. He had a ninety-three yard reception last uh, last year against Ohio State that I'm sure every Buckeye fan has burnt in their brain. There's very few players in the country that can outrun an entire defense. KJ Hamler <laughs> is one of them. You know, what I mean, like he's right up there. We talk about Henry Ruggs' speed all the time, and they talk about uh, you know the speed of uh, uh, Jerry Judy or you know players mm-hmm. like that that caliber. Lavishka Le- yeah. Chennault. KJ Hamler speeds right up there, dude. He, he's yeah. right up there. He's one of the fastest in the country.
0: I think yeah, he's he got forty six catches this year, averaging yeah. seventeen over seventeen yards a catch. He's got eight touchdowns too. So he's he's, he's, a he's home run. there.
1: Yep, he's a home run threat too. And the beauty behind him too is Sean Clifford does not have the biggest arm too. Okay, so he's right. getting a lot of those balls on screens uh, or on smoke routes, uh, very short routes, and then he's busting them. So he's he's yeah. a, he's a competitor. If I am him, I am coming back next year again. I am dominating. Okay, so that's kind of who I am looking at for Penn State. Yep. No, I don't what have it,
0: anything to add to that. I, you know, Penn State's been kind of a weird team for me this year. You know, they, they, they won a lot of games earlier in the year, but I just, I just don't they, – they've lost so much these past couple of years, especially in their skill positions. You, you just can't replace Saquon. You can't replace Miles Sanders. I don't believe in Sean Clifford all that much, to be honest. I know, no. you know, he can get out and run, which is helpful, but I just don't trust his arm. And I just, I just don't see how they're going to put up a lot of points on us this weekend.
1: No, I like I said, I put my money on Ohio State early. But I do yep. think that the Penn State offense is pretty competitive. I just think that it's going to be a track meet you know, for the Buckeyes offense. Uh, but moving on, let's go on to our best bets, unless you had anything additional to add to the college football front. Right now, I'm currently watching some Tuesday night matching while Ashley is slamming Northern Illinois, so that's a little upsetting for somebody who put money yeah. in Northern Illinois, but here we are. Okay. Um, we'll move on to the best bets since you are
0: 3-0 would you like to go first all right uh yeah my first bet and obviously want to hear your hear your opinion on it this line makes no sense to me it's green bay versus san francisco green bay's currently favored by three uh san francisco or san francisco is currently favored by three excuse me san francisco is just just bloody to a pulp right now with injuries you know uh george kittle didn't play last week debo samuel got hurt um so and a couple of other guys that are that showed up on the injury report. Who knows if they're going to play or not? It, regardless, I like Green Bay this week, getting three points. My my model right now has them winning the game by four. Uh, so that's like almost seven points in line value. So unless I'm missing something, and like I said, I'll dig in more this weekend, this, later this weekend, this weekend, uh, to see what I could be missing. But I really, really like the Packers right now.
1: So so let me ask you. This. So you're not betting on the Packers. You're fading San Francisco due to the injuries.
0: Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yep. And Devontae Adams is getting back. He's getting healthy. Yeah, I, I do think that Green Bay is turning in the right direction as well.
1: Huh. Well, I, you know what? I hate to say it because last time I disagreed with, was, disagreed with you was on the Eagles game, and that didn't turn out in my favor. <laughs> but I, I, I haven't been on the game. That's a game I'm probably going to stay away with because, like you, I'm not really sure why the line is the way the way it is. But if you gun to my head, I probably would take San Francisco. Uh, I think that they're coached really well. I think they go into every game with a, a very – well-planned, efficient game plan. Uh, I do think that they played like crap last week. I do think that even though they won, I think they are due for a bounce back. I think that that defensive front seven is extremely disruptive. I think Nick Bosa, I I don't think there's a lot you can do against that. I mean, even Demontre Moore, who played his first week, that, that guy, he was even disruptive against the Arizona Cardinals. And we we saw flashes of his talent back when he was originally drafted by Green Bay out of Texas A&M in the second round. So maybe he's finally found his way, kind of grown up a little bit after dominating the Alliance of American Football League. Uh, but obviously, he's kind of a secondary character. Nick is the main character. Richard Sherman's been prepared pretty solid throughout the year. Uh, and then, there, I mean, the Niners' offense... We talked about Debo Samuel being hurt, George Kittle's being hurt. That that offense kind of revolves around the run, so as long as they can mm-hmm. hammer you right in the mouth, I don't really know if it's any effect. Honestly, as far as like the Vegas line goes, I don't think Kittle's worth anything.
0: Yeah, he, he's going to be worth very, very little if he is. But this is kind of goes back to the cluster injury talk. Like so, you have you have Debo Samuel, <clears throat> Matt Breida, and George Kittle all questionable right now, and we'll get more clarity later later on in the week whether or not they're going to play. Uh, right now. I, I, I guess my, my thought would be Vegas thinks they are going to play with how that line is, is shaping up. Again, even with them in, I still think I, I'm on the right side here with the Packers. Um, but, yeah, if, if those three aren't able to play, I just think that Green Bay will be able to kind of make San Francisco one-dimensional. As soon as you can make a team one-dimensional, you can stop them. So I do like Green Bay here on, on Sunday night. Well, I guess we'll put chalk that up as a disagreement. And pay attention, but you have
1: been you have been beating me on the disagreement. So, my <laughs> I'm first bet. What are you gonna say?
0: I said I'm one and zero.
1: Yes, yes, you are one. I made fun of you for the Philly loss or for the Philly game, and you end up being right about that. Uh, I'm taking Atlanta. Given four to Tampa Bay, it's at Atlanta. It's one o'clock. Tampa Bay is zero and six against the spread the last six games. Atlanta is four and two the last six games against NFC. Uh, uh, four and two against the spread the last six games against other NFC teams. Uh, Atlanta's kind of hit a little bit of a hot streak here. Dan Quinn was yep. a little bit. D- Dan Quinn was squarely on the hot seat. <laughs> I think yeah. he's kind of removed himself a little bit. And Tampa Bay is terrible. Uh, it would not be surprising me if any week they start to. It's, it's funny because I was watching the Niners game last week. No. I, I can't remember which game I was watching, but every time the clicker would come up for the Buccaneers, Winston has thrown another interception. It was amazing. It was like clock. I think he threw four last week.
0: Yeah, he threw four. Yeah. Didn't you post him on Twitter? He's thrown like eighteen picks in the last ten games.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, he's been a tra- he's been a tra- he's been a trainer. He's got all the talent in the world. He was my number one quarterback yeah. coming out of that twenty fifteen class, and I stand by that. Oh, he's yeah. got all the talent in the world. He's just an yeah. idiot. He's just an yeah. We idiot. Talked,
0: we talked about that last week, and and my model disagrees with you, but I don't know how much I trust my you know my tampa bay assessment through my spreadsheet here just because we talked about a little bit last week they're such a high variant team they're either oh. going to score 40 or they're going to score 14 and and i just don't know you know there's i don't have a good way to account for that right now just in the data sets that i use so i don't i guess i don't trust it all that much James Winston's also questionable this week with an injury so i don't know <laughs> i don't know if you downgrade tampa i don't I'm sure know you have to with ryan griffin waiting uh wait in the weight oh it's uh, it's
1: definitely it's definitely a ground it's definitely a downgrade but yeah. it's not as you know it's not as killer as yeah. Matthew
0: Stafford Jeff <laughs> right.
1: but it, yeah you know and another reason why I'm kind of leaning towards the Falcons is it looks like the Falcons the Falcons are still fighting okay the Falcons yep. biggest struggles were their lack of pass rush okay and that is probably still their biggest issue on that defense well with Winston Winston doesn't panic when there's hands in his face he just panics For no reason at all. You don't really need to rush him. So I'm not really worried about that. Another thing, too, the Buccaneers look like the team that's kind of – they kind of look like they've packed it in a little bit. Uh, OJ Howard had a real nasty drop at the beginning of the game, and then they just benched him. Bench him, mm-hmm. never to be heard of again. You put in Cameron Braight. That to me is not a sign of a of a team that is instilling confidence in its youth and ready to, to try to build on that. It looks like a team that's ready to blow up the foundation and rebuild from scratch. So I'm trying to get on that before the spread reflects it. Does that make sense? Because eventually no, I agree the spread, eventually it. they are going to blow it up and the yeah. spread is going to reflect it. And that spread is going to look much closer to the ten and a half you're seeing with the Dolphins than it is the four.
0: Yeah, and I think. It was, I saw it on Twitter, Dan Quinn gave away a defensive play calling duties to his defensive coordinator two games ago, and that's when you saw this yeah. huge turnaround in Atlanta. So I wouldn't say Dan Quinn's off the hot seat. I think he still should be on the hot seat. Uh, he, he, I, he's just proved inept to me over the past few years. I don't think anybody would question that. And, and it's been a huge difference without him calling defensive plays.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So I feel pretty comfortable with that game. That's my best, best bet.
0: Alrighty. <clears throat> my second best bet is going to be Oakland on the road at New York, giving two and a half. So I don't have anything real big to handicap here. I, I'm just a, I, I really like Oakland here. Um, I think the Jets have played two pretty, pretty decent games. They got two wins in a row. Um, look kind of looking for them to return to earth here. Um, like Oakland on the road, they're used to it. They've, They played uh, pretty pretty unfavorable schedule thus far, so they're they're certainly comfortable on the road. Uh, Think Derek Carr when he's not under pressure can really can really be effective. Um, So yeah, I like Oakland.
1: Yeah, Oakland looked like uh, didn't didn't look expl. Oakland did not look as explosive as I thought they would last week. I put money on on Oakland la- or no, I put money on, on Cincinnati last week, but I, I did pay close attention to that game. And Oakland didn't look very explosive. They didn't really impress me much. I I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not. I don't have any money on that game, and I probably won't put any money on that game. Gun to my head, I probably would pick the Jets just because I feel like they do have more talent. Um, and the, the Raiders just haven't really impressed
0: me. Yeah, the only one thing that concerns me is how well. Cincinnati moved the ball on them last week. Joe yes. Mixon got loose quite a bit. And yeah. Mixon's a good runner and Cincinnati had changed, has changed how they scheme their offensive runs, uh, which is, I think is a bit, has been a big thing. And they, they were successful a week ago against Baltimore on the ground as well. Mixon had you know, 30 carries for over a hundred yards. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know how much to read into that. If, if what it is, but um, yeah, it was as soon as that game started after the first couple of drives, I was texting my buddies and saying, man, this is a, uh, it's got Cincinnati all over I was I was really concerned.
1: Well, yeah. and the Raiders, that was that was their opportunity to really light up the scoreboard and the stat sheet, mm-hmm. and they just – they didn't. I don't know if they have the horses to really do that. The thing about the Jets, though, is they've they're, they're been so bad so many weeks, and I, I don't know. It's got to come – I don't know if it's coaching or if it's injuries or what's going on, but the Jets have been so bad. I, I would Personally, I'm probably going to avoid the game.
0: Yeah. But Sam Darnold's got what, back-to-back four touchdown games? Or he's got like yes. – yeah, six or seven touchdowns yeah. the last two weeks. So he's played yeah. really well lately.
1: Yeah, uh, another yeah, one we're... of the high
0: variance,
1: high variance level guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do like Josh Jacobs quite a bit. They're running in Oakland. I think he's been he's had a great year thus far, um, and I hope I can't wait for them to get him more involved in the past game because he has that skill set. He can be really dangerous out of the backfield. And, they, is, and John Gruden keeps talking about it every single week how we're going to get Josh Jacobs involved in the passing game. We're going to get him involved in the passing game, and they just haven't done it yet. So I don't know what's going
1: on there. And is C.J.
0: Mosley back officially? I, I saw that he. I thought. I think he's out again.
1: He's out again. Okay, because yeah. that's one of the few players in my mind that would be worth a point swing or half a point swing or whatever you want to mark it as. Right. One because those backups are so bad, and two because he is so good and dominant. Uh, but moving on, my third game i'm sorry my second game i got new orleans given nine and a half to carolina it's at new orleans another one o'clock game uh carolina is one and five against the spread their last six november games so they're not good november new orleans is seven and one against the spread their last eight games uh same thing with new orleans new orleans seems to be really hot the carolina seems carolina seems to be cooling off the kyle Allen Al train is kyle allen train has come to a stop uh yep. if you if you stop christian mccaffrey you pretty much stop the panthers i know dj moore and uh Curtis Samuel have played really well the last couple weeks and look like they're trying to turn into good NFL receivers. Uh, but if you got no one to give him the ball, then you're not going to go anywhere. So that's kind of yep. where I'm rolling with the Saints.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. Um, let see what I got. I've got it as a, a an 11 point spread right now. So that's yeah, I, I, I really like it. Daddy, Daddy, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> you're good man. And who what do you got up next? Uh, my, my third best bet, and this is where I kind of want your uh, some of your input here, is I, my, my spreadsheet really loves the Houston Texans on Thursday night. Um, don't I mean, There's a lot of injury news to come out, and we've got to kind of sift through that and figure out how that's going to impact. I feel like uh, I think the, well, the entire Houston Texans secondary is hurt. So I, I, they, they might have four completely new guys in this week. Don't know how that's going to work out. But, yeah. uh, Jacoby Brissett's back. Marlon Max out. Um, so, yeah, but I really like Houston. I
1: like Houston too. I actually put money on that game. Houston given three and a half. What was your line?
0: My line, it's probably, it's like my it's like second biggest value game here. I've got it at, I, I would have it at nine. Wow. Really? I, and I You yeah. know
1: what? I agree with that. I do think Houston's going to come out. It's a home game. We talked about Thursday night games with with there their being more talent. That yeah. really is showing yeah. out, especially with the injuries to the Colts. I don't really think they know what they're going to do with their running backs. I, I know a lot of people like Jonathan Williams. I think Jonathan Williams is a very solid running back. You would think that Naheem Hines is going to be in the mix some there too, but that might add more confusion to the offense rather than clarity. So I agree with you there. I actually put money on the Houston Texans yep. already.
0: Will Fuller should be back. Um, yeah. And we're getting accustomed back into the offense. And I, I text you this this week. This uh last week was the was the first time Deshaun Watson has been beaten by more than seven points since high school. So I think uh, I think he's in a in a real big bounce back spot here. Yeah, that,
1: that statistic blows my mind. You know, they always Yeah, say, me too. Oh. I couldn't believe it. It's oh, wild. Man. They always say never to bet on bounce back games, or or to say the phrase "they're due for a win" because they said that's such yeah. a square comment. But I, re- you know, when when something like when you get beat as bad as the Texans do, I think that there is some there is some credence to that. I think that that is, you know, hey, he's going to bounce back. They're a good team. They don't stay down for long. So I would agree with you there.
0: My yeah, they 13, absolutely got embarrassed. By, yes, by Baltimore. I think I I, if there know is know a such did. thing as a bounce back spot, I think, I think this is it. Coming yeah. back on home. Short week, again, when we talked about where talent kind of really reigns supreme here. Yes. Uh, Indianapolis without two of their best playmakers, without Marlon Mack, without Ty Hilton. So I I really like this spot for Houston.
1: Absolutely. Now this third game I know you're going to disagree with. I'm going with the – (laughs) <laughs> the away favorite. I'm going with Detroit, giving three and a half to Washington Sunday, one o'clock game. I know I'm betting on Jeff Driscoll. I know I'm betting on away game on the away team. I know that technically that this means that, you know, they have the Lions favorite basically by a touchdown. I agree with that. Detroit's four and one against the spread their last five games against Washington. So they kind of have their number. Washington is two and seven against the spread the last nine games. It's no secret that the Washington Redskins are bad. It's no secret that Dwayne Haskins has struggled as well as that offensive line and that offense as a whole. So, I'm wrong with the Lions. They didn't yeah. the Lions didn't look bad last week. Driscoll Driscoll's not the answer. Driscoll's not good, but he's not a liability.
0: No, I, I agree with you. And and I, I actually last week we talked a little bit about what, what the downgrade from Stafford to Driscoll was. And in my in my handicap, I had made it a six-point downgrade. But I in this week I I made it a four. I I was really impressed with Driscoll. He did a really good job distributing the ball. And when he didn't have anything open, you, you saw last week how good he is with his feet and how he can yes. make things happen once he gets out of the pocket. So I do like, I do like Detroit uh, this week, and, uh, yeah, I agree with you.
1: And Bo, and Bo Scarborough looked like a good running back. He looked very solid. Looks looked like the running yeah. back we saw at Alabama. So I'd be looking yeah. forward to more of him. But that's yeah. it. That's with the best bets unless you had something else to add.
0: Hey, got nothing else to add, buddy. he had a good time.
1: All right, awesome. If you guys have got any questions for us, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Josh Keely16. Adam, where are you at? I'm at More2102. Oh my God, that is such an awful Twitter handle.
0: But if you have
1: any betting questions, Adam will be more than happy to answer them. Just I will be more than happy to answer any questions you have for me. And we're yeah. out.
0: See ya.